Genesis chapter 21, beginning in verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water was spent in the bottle and the and, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. And she went and set her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she set over against him and lift up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, what aileth thee, Hagar, fear not. For God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hands, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad to drink. How many times have we said that, and it's been said from this pulpit, I don't know who's attributed with the original saying, but... Jesus is everywhere in the Bible, every page, every page. And if you can't find him on one, turn to the next one, you'll find him on twice. (laughs) But from Genesis to Revelation, from cover to cover, it's all about Jesus. And there's many different types and foreshadows of Jesus in the word of God. And I believe here in this chapter, if you'll stick with me just for a little bit, we're going to see another picture of Jesus, a beautiful picture of Jesus. I'm not going to bore you with the background of this story, but I do want you to understand that Hagar was one of the bondwomen of Abraham, and they had a son together. His name was Ishmael. And we know that God promised that to make a great nation out of Ishmael. And so we have here the story, and we read to you what had happened in this occasion. And I want to, first of all, I want you to notice the giver, the giver in this text. My, my subject that I want to, that jumped out at me that I want to center in on is this bottle of water, a bottle of water. And first of all, I want you to notice the giver of the bottle, the giver of the bottle. We know that it says, and Abraham rose up early in verse 14 in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar. So it's pretty simple, isn't it? We know who gave the bottle of water. It was Abraham. But before we really understand what he gave, we have to understand what those items represent. We see here he gave her not only a bottle of water, but bread as well. We know that bread and water was essential to her living. Without it, she would not be able to survive. And bread and water always is a symbol of the word of God. And so we have to understand that in spiritually sense, Abraham gave her something that she could survive by, and that was bread and water that represented the word of God. We also know that I believe in this, in this study that Abraham represents God. So if we put that in mind and give, and give us a bigger picture, it tells us that God is the giver of the bread and the water. 
And so when we think about it that way, the Bible tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from the Father above. And he gave us what we need to survive. And we need bread and water in order to survive physically, but also spiritually, we need bread and water. Now, what does bread and water represent again? It represents the word of God. And my friend, if you're going to live for Jesus, if you're going to survive in this world that we live in, we have to live on the word of God. So if bread and water represent the word of God, then what does the bottle represent? The bottle was the container that held the water. And so when we think of bottled water, and and again, kids, it hadn't been too long ago, if you told someone the idea, I think I'm going to put water in a bottle and sell it, they would look at you and thought you're crazy. That'll never fly. That, That wasn't very long ago. We always didn't have bottled water, but now you pay two bucks for it and you got it out of your tap. Anyway, I'll move on. I used to have a coworker that I worked with, Billy. Remember Billy, dad at the pharmacy. He'd always said if water was meant to drink, they'd put it in a can. Well, he wasn't too far off. They put it in a bottle. But, but this, it, the, the bottled water that it's mentioned in here is not a, a plastic bottle of water. We have to understand what these containers were made out of. This bottle of water was actually made out of the skin of a lamb. I'll run over that one more time. This this container that held the water was made out of a skin of a lamb. And so the lamb was the container that held the water. What what did the water represent again? It represents the word of God. What was the container that held the water? It was the lamb skin. Hey, didn't John 1.14 tell us, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The bottle represents Jesus Christ. It was the container that held the word. It was the container that held the water of the word and Jesus was the word. Every step he took, it was the word every voice every word he spoke it was the word he was the word wrapped in flesh aren't you thankful for Jesus tonight he is the living word he was the container that held the water and so if we think about it that way then God gave the water he gave the bread but he also gave us the bottle of water he gave us Jesus freely The Bible says that God freely gives us all. If he loves us that much, he would freely give us all things. And I'm so thankful that I hate it, that it cost him his life. But I'm glad that John 3.16 is still in the Bible. Out of all the over almost 800,000 words in the word of God, 25 of them the devil hates the most. And it's this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm thankful tonight, folks. If we got rid of the entire word and had that verse, we could save the world. Aren't you thankful tonight that God freely gave us his son? So the bottle represents Jesus. And I want you to notice, secondly, the grief in this text. We see the giver of the bottle, but we see the grief of the empty bottle. The Bible says in verse 15, And the water was spent in the bottle. And she cast the child 
under one of the shrubs. That simply means that the water ran out. The bottle became empty. That's my subject for tonight is the empty bottle. The empty bottle. She ran out of water. And really, she felt at this point, there was no hope for her. And there was no hope for her child. And so she placed her child under some shrubs. She walked away maybe 50, 60 yards and sat and waited for her child to die, not wanting to see her child pass. Now, you say, Brian, what, what, what does this have to do with grief? What does this empty bottle have to do with grief? It's what the empty bottle represented. It represented hopelessness. It represents there's no way that this child's going to live. The water represented not only the word, but I also think it represented the blessings of God. And somewhere along the line, she failed to take care of the blessing that was given her. She neglected to take care of the blessing that was given to her by Abraham. And then her water, her bottle became empty. Folks, tonight, if we neglect to take care of the blessings that God has bestowed upon us, our bottles can become empty. And when your bottle becomes empty spiritually, you feel hopeless, you feel isolated, you feel like there's no way in the world you'll ever recover. And I know I'm preaching to someone here tonight because I've heard from some of you in the last couple of weeks. I know what you're going through and I know what you're facing and you feel empty, you feel isolated, you're discouraged, you're disappointed and you're walking around like an empty bottle and you think there's no hope for me. Folks, I'm telling you, we're living in a world today of people and I I preach to people almost weekly, almost nightly, I preach to empty bottles. People, whatever happened, maybe it was death that caused their bottle to be empty. Maybe it was depression. Maybe it was circumstances, trials and storms. Whatever it was, you can fill in the blank, but it left your bottle empty and you feel like there's no hope. Folks, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we need the blessings of God. We need the water of the word in order to survive. It's a scientific fact that without water, we will die. You cannot live without water. The majority of our body is made up of water. Water is essential to life. Do you know that if you don't have enough water in your system, your blood will not flow properly? Without an adequate water, if you're not hydrated enough, your blood will not flow properly? Think about that spiritually tonight. If we don't have water, if our bottle is empty, the blood will not flow. The blood will not move us like it once moved us. The things of the word would not move us like it once moved us. How many of you at one time can remember you lifted your hand in praise, you shouted unto God with a voice of triumph, but now we can barely get anything out of you because you're an empty bottle. Somewhere along the line you thought there's no use, there's no hope. Folks, I'm telling you, there's always hope. We're going to preach about that here in a little bit. But this empty bottle, this empty bottle, well, I, I preach to him and, and we, I, I see him every week. Do you understand with, when you have water and you're properly hydrated, it maintains your body temperature? Empty bottles are volatile. <laughs> you ever met anybody spiritually? 
that uh, their temperature isn't regulated? Okay, I'm the only one maybe. I hate to say this and I hate to admit it, but some of the meanest people I've ever met has been in church. It's because they're empty bottles. They don't have enough water. All they care about is control. All they care about is doing it their way. And if you don't do it their way, then they're upset and they get mean and they say things they regret. Well, man, I don't know if they regret it or not. They never, they never say, forgive me. I'm sorry. But folks, you know what? They're empty bottles. But if you got enough water, you'll have the right attitude. Somebody say amen. Amen. Also, think about this now. If you're properly hydrated... Water helps keep membranes moist and hydrated, especially around the mouth. So water helps our mouth to work properly. I hit on this the other night and I don't know, I don't know why it wasn't even in my notes, but I feel like saying it tonight. The Bible tells us specifically, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. A Christian shouldn't be cussing. And let me go forward. A Christian should never say words of hate. You are the light and the salt of the earth. What comes out of your mouth should be representative of what Jesus would say. I know that's simple. But the next time, hey, <laughs> I know we're all human beings. And I'm telling you, some of you knew what it meant. Every word out of your mouth. It wasn't a good word and you got saved and the Lord's had to help you over the years. I'm not saying there's not forgiveness available. There's always forgiveness available, but you shouldn't be satisfied with that kind of communication coming out of your mouth. Amen, that's good. Until that's really helping you. Scientific fact that water lubricates our joints. That means you'll walk right if you're hydrated enough. Boy, this is good preaching. You don't like it, but it's good. You'll walk properly if you're properly hydrated. But obviously there's people that aren't walking correctly. I don't know where in the world that the lines are now so blurred that you can't tell what's, what's to be Christian and not be Christian. It used to be so clean and clear and concise, but now somewhere along the way, empty bottles have overtaken our church world. And so now convictions are no longer, they're just out the door. Standards might as well forget them. Uh, you know, that's the way people operate now. Well, you're too legalistic. Well, you, you know, that's not the way Jesus would want it. You need to love everybody. You need to be included of everybody. Listen, folks, I'll invite anybody and everyone to come to the house of God, but there are certain standards that apply if you're going to get behind this pulpit, if you're going to sing on this stage, if you're going to take part in this church and be a part of the church, and it ain't changing! Talking about empty bottles. She took her bottle that was empty, laid her child under the shrub, her hopes, her dreams, now lay dying under a tree. Folks, there are empty bottles I'm preaching to tonight. You feel like it's hopeless. You feel like there's no way you can get out of the situation you're in. And you've let your dreams and hopes lay under a shrub 
And you're thinking, there's no way God will ever restore me again. And if I ended the sermon there, it'd be kind of sad, wouldn't it? But there's good news that's found. We see the giver of the bottle. We see the grief of the empty bottle. But notice the grace from the bottle. The most important thing about this passage of scripture is she didn't throw the bottle away. There was hope because she still had a vessel. (laughs) There was hope because (laughs) even though it was an empty bottle, it was empty and could be filled again. She didn't throw the bottle away. Notice, notice the supplication of the grace in verse 17. It says, and God heard the voice of the lad. Now we think lad, and it's just like in, in Abraham's story. We, we look at Isaiah being a lad, being a child, and we think, you know, they're five, six, four years old. When our pastors has done extensive study on that, and he would tell you that, that Isaac was probably 33 years old. Whenever he laid down his life on that altar of sacrifice. If my research is correct, Ishmael would have probably been about 15 or 16 years old in this story. So he cried out and God heard the voice of Ishmael. And because he heard the voice of Ishmael, he extended grace to his mother. His mother was so weak and hopeless that she couldn't even pray herself. But thank God, someone cried out to God on her behalf and God heard their cry and answered their prayer. Hey, I don't know about you, but I've been times when I've been so down that I couldn't utter a word. But thank God, someone got a hold of God for me and he came and extended me grace. Hallelujah, the supplication. Look at the strength in verses 16. And she went down, excuse me, and and, uh, heard the voice of verse 17, sorry. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar of heaven, said unto her, what healthy Hagar, fear not, for God heard the voice of the lad where he is. Verse 18, arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand. Now how did I... Again, if my calculation is 15 or 16 years old, how's this woman in a weakened state going to be able to lift up her son that's 15 to 16 years old? I'll tell you why. Because the grace of God will give you strength that you never thought possible. Amen. Hallelujah. When, when we think we can't take another step, we pray and ask God to help us. And as our pastor preached this morning, no coincidence. When we are weak, then we are strong. Aren't you glad tonight that just when you think all hope is gone, he comes by and gives you the strength. How many of you have ever been through death of a loved one, of a close loved one, and you've had to stand by a casket and people walk by and say, how you doing? And you're saying, I'm making it, but only by the grace of God. And you look back at those times and most of you probably can't even remember. You're probably like in a bubble. You were so numb. And we say it so often. You know what that time of grieving is? God allows just the grace of God to come in and just lift you and carry you for a moment. You may not even remember those two or three days, but bless God, it was the grace of God that was strengthening you to keep on going. I'm thankful when we think that all hope is gone. Hallelujah, there's
there's still grace available. The string. But notice the supply. Go lift up the ladder in verse 18. I will make him a great nation. Look at this. And God opened her eyes and she saw the well of water. And she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. Now you read that and say, oh great, there was a well there. She went over and filled the water, the, the bottle water, the water bottle up with water out of the well. What's so special about that? What you don't understand, she'd already been to this well before. In chapter 16, she was at this well. In fact, this well is a special place because she even gave it a name. I can't pronounce it, but I'm going to tell you what it means. It means the well of the living one that sees me. In chapter 16, verse 14, this very same well, in chapter 21, she had already been to before. She already had an experience with God so much that she named it something special as a landmark in her life. The well of the living one that sees me. But listen, she was so overcome with grief and hopelessness, she couldn't even see the well that she'd already been to. But the grace of God came down and opened her eyes and let her see and let her experience. And when she saw the well, she remembered chapter 16 and she remembered, thank God he still sees me. He still cares about me. And she went over, she took that empty bottle and filled it up. Aren't you glad she didn't throw the bottle away and God still allows refills of water, amen. Amen. There was plenty of water for her. And I'm so thankful she didn't throw it away because God allowed refills. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes we understand and we always know and we preach it. Jesus is there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's with us today, tomorrow, yesterday. We say that all the time, but sometimes we go through so much stuff that we just feel overwhelmed and we feel like we, well, we just can't take it another step. We're like Hagar. We feel hopeless and we, and we feel isolated and we feel like no one hears us and you can't even, you're, you're so overcome with grief so overcome with depression and disappointment that your eyes are clouded. You can't even remember or see the blessings that God once gave you. But thank God the grace of God somehow reminds you the same God that was with you in chapter 16 is still here in chapter 21. Hallelujah, I'm thankful God reminds us of the wells in our life that we can go back to and get a refill. Hallelujah. My advice to you is just don't throw the bottle away. Keep the bottle and come and get a refill. Because I'm telling you, he allows us grace. And there's ample supply for you to fill the empty bottle. I was reminded of my own personal, my own personal struggle that I had as a 17-year-old boy, 16, 17 years old. Folks, I'm telling you, when God has a plan for your life and you run from that plan, it don't take long before you start doing things you never thought you'd ever do. 
It don't take long before when you start running away from God's perfect will for your life that you dive into things that you never thought you'd ever do. And God placed a call on my life to preach his word. And I ran from it. I ran from it. Internally, I ran from it. I couldn't run away from it physically because I I went to mom and dad's church. (laughs) So I didn't want any part of it. My dad, mom, just been in church their whole life, pastored, ministered for years. And I, I just didn't want part of it. Like our pastor preached a few weeks ago. We have plans and goals and aspirations. And, but when you run from God's call in your life, it'll do a number on you. Some people never recover. I thank God for refills. Amen. Amen. Woo. I was fighting the call bad. And I had shamefully, regrettably, got messed into some things I regret still to this day. Running away from God, acting like I would never thought I'd ever act. And now I'm in the middle of it and I wonder how in the world am I going to get out of it? Trying to hide it, trying to conceal it, singing the choir, give a testimony every now and again, lead a service. Yeah, people do that. You realize that, don't you? Far away from God, but still just get up and go through it. I did because I didn't want to disappoint mom and dad. But down deep, they probably knew. So I was leaving church one Sunday morning. and The normal Sunday afternoon at Beach Fort was I go to my cousin's house and we play football or softball or baseball or something. Sunday afternoons were a lot longer back then for some reason. Now I just can't wait to go take a nap. (laughs) It's always nap 30 at the bear house, you know. Anyway, we... uh, But on our way out, my my great-aunt Mary... Brown, Mary Catherine, she stopped me and she said, Brian, I've been praying for you. She said, you're not right with God, are you? Well, my Aunt Mary was like that one. She, she's very matter of fact in love, but she was very matter of fact. I mean, there ain't no sense beating around the bush, right? So I, uh, I said, well, I can't lie. Holy Spirit's all over you, and I know that. No, I'm not, Mary. She says, well, you should have went this morning, but I'm going to pray for you this afternoon that you'll get things right with God tonight. My, why did I wait? I should have just went. I mean, really? That was the longest Sunday afternoon. Couldn't wait to get back. Because, see, I was putting on a, a face. that Everything was okay. But down deep, it wasn't. Well, first song, the first song I had, I just came. I just came down and said, Lord, I'm sorry. I, got, I let my bottle go empty. Please give me a refill. 
And boy, did he ever. Boy, did he ever. That was over 28 years ago. Because not too long after that, I finally surrendered to what he wanted me to do and started preaching. September the 18th, 1994, this September will be 28 years that I've been preaching the gospel. Think about if someone hadn't have reached out to God on my behalf, how much differently things would be today. If I thrown the bottle away, Bruce, if I said, just forget it. I don't know if your bottle's empty tonight, but the good news is you still got a bottle. So you need to come and get a refill. He allows it. There's plenty of grace to go around. In fact, if everybody in here needed a refill, he'll top everybody off. And there's still more. Whatever you're facing tonight, just remember there's plenty of grace. He loves you. He hears you. And he knows what you're going through, regardless if you have an empty bottle.